And hello once again. This is episode number eight of the Hockey News on the Queue, brought to you by BetMGM. My name is Will McLaren, and as always, with me is Jamie Tozer. Uh, Jamie, uh, I shouldn't say with me as always, because uh, uh, he was uh, unavailable last week, another trip to the West Coast, uh, and uh, he's not at home now either, but he is in the general vicinity. Uh, you're uh, coming to us uh, live from Moncton tonight, uh, aren't you, Jamie? Yep, we're getting getting closer to home uh, in Moncton here tonight. Uh, starting to feel like the World Juniors a little bit here. Starting to see a lot of uh, a lot of signage and a little bit more hype uh, around the city than what we've seen uh, the past few weeks. So that's uh, cool to see. Starting to see it a little bit in, uh, in Halifax as well, and. Uh, it's uh, you can start to feel it coming, especially with the camp roster uh, coming out. Uh, but my thanks to Pat for uh, stepping up uh, last week and a bit of a bit of a jam for me. So I appreciate that. But uh, I've done lots of interviews with Pat, so he I think he owed me this solid at least this one time. <laughs> I, I said that Pat owed me as well. I don't even know what for, and it's probably not true. I probably owe him several things, but uh, we'll just go with it. And it you know, know a guy for 20 years, it all just kind of blends together. But no, thanks, Pat, for uh, stepping in, and uh, I know we're going to hear from him for sure uh, before the season's out once again. But yeah, you're talking about the World Juniors, uh, Jamie, and uh, you are right. Uh, the buzz is starting to uh, get a little louder down here in Halifax especially with the announcement of the selection camp roster, which came out uh, just the other day. And, um, well, for the queue, it's definitely a banner year, and it's kind of funny, you know, you think about it, uh, Jamie. You know, this isn't a, a top-heavy year for prospects. Uh, there's, you know, there, there's no, you know, guy with that wow factor, so to speak. There is no McKinnon. There is no Crosby. There's nobody like that per se in the league this year, but – we still got nine guys from the queue going to camp. Yeah, that's great to see for especially, you know, just kind of funny how it lines up with the year that um, Q cities are hosting it. Um, and we were talking a little bit before the show that the the 2017 team in Montreal also had quite a strong Q contingent. So um, funny how it just lines up like that. Uh, yeah, like you said, like there's no there's no McKinnon. There's no real, you know, Huberto Crosby type player on this team. But um you know, nine guys, and there's some guys who will probably play some pretty prominent roles, even though a few of them will probably be more role guys. They're, they're going to play important roles. So uh, um will be cool to see them, especially um, I know some of the roster projections have, you know, the third or fourth line being Q guys. And, you know, the thought of, you know, having somewhat local guys playing like an energy light, energy line type in a building um, that's going to be electric like in Halifax. That'll be fun to see. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, of course, Halifax uh, has one player invited uh, to the surprise of probably nobody. Uh, Jordan Dume, if you've been following the league, you've heard his name week in, week out on this podcast. Flip on the Q website. His face and name is on there all the time. He's leading the league in scoring by a wide margin and uh, could have the opportunity to be playing for Team Canada's own backyard. And then you got the returnees as well. You know, Nathan Gaucher coming uh uh, down from the Quebec Round Par, Riley Kidney, who was that energy line guy, as you mentioned, Jamie, in the summer tournament in Edmonton uh, from Mackety Bathurst, and uh, his fellow Montreal Canadiens prospect, Joshua Wah, another returnee uh, by way of the Sherbrooke Phoenix. So, 
you know, probably a safe bet that uh, the three returnees uh, find a spot in Gaucher, Kidney, and Wah. Uh, anybody else amongst uh, the rest of the crew there that uh, you, you may think have an inside uh, track on, on a spot, maybe even a sleeper uh, pick uh, amongst that group? Yeah, you know, I think I look at these Q guys. I think they're there's gonna they're gonna be in tough to find top six roles. I, I think Wa maybe has a chance to get in there, but I think the rest are they're gonna struggle. Um, just and then that's not a knock on them. It's just the the guys above them are just so good, um, and the Canadian forward group is extremely deep, especially if the NHL guys come back, which seems to be the expected uh, assumption that those guys will come back. So. Um, couple guys that I do think will be on the team. I think Bolduke and Dean, I think they'll make it just because um, not, I think when you think of this team, they're probably better suited for third, fourth lines. Um, and that's probably where they're going to slide in. So I think that they probably have a good shot. Now, Dume, I think he has to have a good camp. I think he has to come to camp and show that he can obviously put up the numbers uh, that he's put up in the queue this year. But I think he's got to show that he can play a bit of another role too, uh, whether that be defensively or, or another, another job, because I, I think he's going to be in tough to find a top six role just because Canada is so deep. Yeah. The, the only caveat that I guess I'd say to that is, uh, first of all, you know, in comparison with the other guys from the queue, you know, Dume would be a top six guy amongst, you know, that, that roster, um, you know, the forwards, you know, you mentioned Zach Bolduc, Zach Dean, uh, and of course, Gaucher Kidney Wah, who we've already spoken about, you know, he, he very much fits in as, you know, if you're, you're talking about that, that group in isolation, he's a top liner for sure, or at the very least a top six. Maybe the one thing that helps him is, you know, the fact that there's not a lot of talent coming in from the OHL this year. There's only five guys invited from the O course he is going to have to contend with the nhl contingent including shane wright who's expected to be in camp of course as well um so it, it is going to be tough from that uh, from that standpoint but maybe just you know the the high number of quebec league uh, players that are going to this camp maybe in a way it does help him uh, we're only going to find out but i do agree with you uh, jamie he is the sort of guy who i think he's if he's going to slot in he almost has to slot in as the top six that's his game and, yep. uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be giving, you know, it, 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 maybe in some ways it will be a spot for him to lose, um, but it's going to take uh, a persuasive camp, much like it's going to take a persuasive camp for virtually everybody. You know, Dean and Bull Duke, uh, guys that can slide up and down the, the lineup very easily. Dean, you know, I'd look at him. Remember, he was invited to the 2021 camp and, um, uh, you know, he had to deal with some injuries here and, the ensuing seasons that uh, kept him off the team can or radar as a result. You know, he's uh, an energy guy through and through. Uh, you know, we talked to Louis Robitaille at the beginning of the year, and that's what he does while mm -hmm. also putting up the points. And of course, rounding things out, pair of defensemen in uh, Evan Noss, also from Quebec, and Tyson Hines from Sherbrooke, William Russo, the goaltender from the Quebec Round Par, and uh, Stefan Julian as well, the uh, Sherbrooke uh, Phoenix head coaches. On the team as an assistant coach, um, you know, goaltending, probably a bit of a crapshoot this year based on everything we're hearing. You know, Russo's had the stats in the queue behind a very strong Quebec team. Be interesting again uh, to see how he fares against his competition from across the country as they battle for those two spots. Yeah, I've seen some roster projections that have him as the number two goalie. I've seen him as the number three goalie. I've seen him completely left off the roster, so... 
I think the the goaltending is really um, it's kind of all over the place. And from what I've read, it's kind of like this for for every country. Um, so it could be a, an interesting tournament uh, from a goaltending perspective. We could see uh, some high scoring games. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, it's all going to uh, pare down here in the uh, coming weeks. Tournament starts uh, in Halifax and in Moncton on Boxing Day. And uh, it'll be great to have some all-world talent uh, within our own backyards, for sure, but also on the stage that uh, is uh, home to the Q Day and game in, game out as well. You got a thought? You got a, an opinion? Uh, do you think there's anybody uh, on that list that uh, maybe is more of a dark horse than we thought? Send us a comment. Send us a question. Uh, our Twitter addresses are in the handles uh, below. Feel free to make any comments, and we will make sure they get on the air in our mailbag segment. So on top of the news coming out of Team Canada, there's also news from within the queue. And uh, this is the 2023 Hall of Fame class announced. Uh, three players, or sorry, two players and a builder, although the builder is a former player as well in the queue, making uh, their way into the uh, Shrine. Dave Ezard, uh, the uh, Cornwall Royals star defenseman from the late 70s and early 80s, won a Memorial Cup in 1980 as well. Still the only defenseman to register back-to-back 35 goal seasons in the queue, which kind of struck me odd as a uh, as a stat, Jamie, just when you think of yeah. the uh, prolific history of offensive defensemen that came out of this league, that nobody else has ever done that. That is surprising. And like even, even in recent history, that seems like a record that even today could possibly be broken yeah definitely no, he had a uh, he did have a 40 goal season um that was the record for years and years it was broken first by Derek Waltzer and then Marc-Andre Bergeron who spent uh, copious amounts of time in the NHL's power place specialist um then record's now 42 and uh yeah it's um just surprising you know given especially in the high scoring 70s in the queue that uh, some, nobody else has ever yeah. Managed to do that. Seems like a, a doable thing if the right guy comes along. Yeah, and there's Stefan sure. Richet. You know, Stefan Richet, uh, people of a certain vintage. Hi. <laughs> Remember uh, Richet very well from his NHL days. A uh, pair of Stanley Cups, one with the Habs in 86, then with the Devils in 95. But before that, he was a star in the queue. Granby and Shakutami. Teammate of Patrick Waz and Granby, for that matter, won a Calder Cup in 1985, won a gold medal with Team Canada. And um, probably when he was playing, Jamie, one of the more, i say, confounding or polarizing players out there. And then we kind of found out after he retired, you know, he was he was battling a lot of heavy stuff. And, uh, you know, he's been very public about that uh, in his retirement. Yeah, that's interesting. And, uh, you know, you kind of see that more and more with uh, some players recently retiring, too. I'm starting to see that um, kind of caring about more of their personal battles and how it kind of uh, impacted their play over the years. Yeah, uh, I know a number of people who have uh, interacted with uh, Stefan Richet, uh, particularly post-playing career, and they always come back to the same thing. You know, very well-spoken guy, very open uh, about the struggles that he's had. And he's a guy that just wants to make a difference. So, you know, a Hall of Fame player, to be sure, in the queue, but, you know, a Hall of Fame person as well. And anytime you can have that opportunity to have somebody of that caliber uh, as a human being, 
uh, reach the pinnacle of uh, personal achievement in the Quebec League or any league. You know, it's 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 a great thing to see. Yeah, and you know, just back to the hockey side too. I mean, look at that run he had in 1985-86. Like, wow, that is advanced <laughs> to the right. 85 President Cup final, uh, one gold medal at the World Juniors, 85 Calder Cup champion, and 86 Stanley Cup champion. That's uh, pretty wild. That's a pretty, almost a calendar year. That's a, that's a lot of success in a, in a short period of time, to be sure. Like I say, went to the, went to the Memorial Cup that spring of 85, um, lost out to, uh, lost out in the, uh, sorry, he went out to the uh, President Cup final, I should say, sorry, in 85, lost to Claude Lemieux in Verdun back in 85. And uh, once his uh, Q career was over, he immediately joined his old buddy, uh, Patrick, um, went to Sherbrooke and uh, that team actually made the playoffs on the last night of the season and uh, the regular season and then ended up uh, turning around and winning, winning a wow. Stanley cup. Patrick Waugh was a third string goaltender. He ended mm-hmm. up being put into net on in the net and emergency basis. And uh, the rest of as they say is history, but uh, no great work, uh, great accomplishment for both his um, the late Dave Azar and uh, Stefan Richet. And uh, then there's another more recent name, at least if you follow the NHL coaching ranks, that's uh, Alain Vigneault. Again, as we've mentioned, uh, a player in his own right in the queue and in the NHL in the late 70s and then the early 80s. But at a very young age, came back to the queue as a coach and was successful almost right away, uh, particularly with the Hull Olympic. Yeah, and, you know, Vigneault, he came in, or he left the queue a a little bit before I really got into it hardcore. Um, but you know, I've always seen to be such a well-known as kind of like the player's coach and seem to be so well-liked by his players. So, um, you know, not, not really surprising to see him have such a long coaching career. Yeah, no, definitely, uh, some staying power there. I remember him personally, uh, the first year that I really followed the league, he was, a mid-season replacement with uh, the old Bopor Harfang, which they're now the Quebec oh, yeah. Bar, actually. Yeah, and uh, yeah, rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> um, ends up um, uh, ends up taking that team to the final. The guys like Eric Dazé and uh, Christian Laflamme and Marty Biron back uh, back in those days. And um, you know, it, he was kind of just in between stints in the NHL. He was an assistant with Ottawa went on a short period of time later to take over the head coaching job with Montreal Canadiens, but um, always just always came across as a pretty cerebral guy, but also just a nice guy. You know, he wasn't, you know, he, he, he was never snappy with the, with the media. He wasn't one of these like Tortorella type guys who it's like, you don't even really want to ask him a question. Most of the time he just, he was seemed to be a pretty even keel guy and he got results, you know, first in the queue, uh, won that president cup with Hull in uh, 88 went to the final with Bopor, as we mentioned, and, uh, you know, really, uh, laid the groundwork, uh, the first couple seasons with PI rocket as well. And, you know, he's had success in the NHL as well. So congrats to him as well. Um, now that class of 2023, they're going to be inducted next year, of course, but they're also going in with class 2022 because of course, in COVID and everything that we've been battling as a society, that class actually hasn't been formally inducted. So along with, um, you know, uh, the late uh, Dave Azar, as well as Alain Vigneault and Stéphane Richet, they're going to be joined at that ceremony by uh, Simon Gamache, Clem Jodouin, Roberto Luongo, Stéphane Robida, and Rick Vive. Um, so Jamie, 
you know, even following the league now for what about 15 years or so, mm-hmm. uh, I've got uh, somewhere between that. Eh, it's not important how many years I've been following the league. Um, <laughs> who are some of the guys? I mean, there's going to be your obvious guys, the Crosby's obviously um, they're, they're, they're a lock um, as soon as they retire. But uh, is there anybody else uh, that really strikes you as uh, a good candidate from the time period you've watched the league that you would expect to see go into the Q's Hall of Fame in the coming years? Well, some of the ones who maybe aren't that obvious, I think uh, someone who just very recently retired, who we've talked about on the show before, Matthew Perot. I kind of wonder about him. He had excellent numbers, had a pretty good NHL career as well. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, who I assume would probably be a lock. Um, Claude Giroux is another one. Um, I think he'll probably be retiring in the next few years. Um, and then Brad Marchand too, um, probably an NHL Hall of Famer. So I would assume probably a lock um, to be in the Q Hall of Fame. Um, it's had <laughs> such an interesting. I'm fascinated by his career. Um, he has had mm-hmm. such a, a fascinating career, and it's hard to believe um, watching him in junior how many people would have thought he'd be an NHL Hall of Famer um, at that point. Um, so Brad Marchand's first two years in the queue, he played in Moncton when I lived in Moncton, uh, was around the team. Uh, my first year as a freelancer was his second year in Moncton, just before he got traded to Valdor. And keep in mind, this is a guy with, uh, two president cup finals under his belt. Uh, he has a president cup title with the 06 Wildcats, went to a Memorial cup final with them. Um, he came to camp in 2004 as a 16 year old he was second round pick he was actually a line mate of james shepherd in the uh, under 18 ranks the year before and shepherd got the lion's share of the attention but brad marchand from all accounts came into camp with the moncton wildcats at 16 on a veteran moncton team and said um i'm i'm taking a spot from someone and he actually did take a spot from someone um, who was a fourth liner the year before. Uh, Brad started out, you know, in the bottom six, worked his way up. And you just saw that determination, you know, say what you will about Brad Marchand. And you can say a lot about him. <laughs> a few things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a few words that come to mind, some of which are not fit for uh, this podcast, unfortunately. Um, but uh, uh, at the end of the day, he's just a guy who's driven to succeed. Um, he has made people around him better for years and years. And he's kind of the blasting cap. Like he's the guy who takes the attention away from guys who are just looking to, you know, do their job. Yep. You know, um, everybody marvels at, you know, Patrice Bergeron and uh, David Pasternak in the, with the Bruins. And for good reason, um, you know, you know, Bergeron's another guy who will be in the Hall of Fame someday, in the NHL Hall of Fame for sure, or the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, but you know what? It's probably been a little bit easier for guys like them to, you know, go about their their game, you know, season in season out, with that lightning rod playing on the same line as them. And you know, it's something that doesn't show up in the score sheet. And Brad Marchand has his uh, his. Um, uh, share of points and goals and whatnot and the statistics will get him into the uh, hall of fame but it's what he's done you know as a member of that team that has probably helped for better or worse helped the entire organization um you know it can't be 
you can't be discounted. So, you know, I agree with you. He, he's definitely a, uh, a strong candidate for, uh, for a hall of famer. Um, you know, I think, you know, a guy like Nathan McKinnon, maybe a Jonathan Drouin, yep. uh, down here, very strong candidates. Yeah. Having them going um, together would be cool too. Very much so. Yeah. And uh, a guy who we're about to talk about in greater detail about uh, two minutes from now, Connor Garland. Yep. You know, uh, I, I think it'd be hard to leave him out back-to-back scoring titles. So be interesting in the years to come. But for now, congrats to everybody who is going in, both the delayed class of 2022 and the class of 2023 just announced last week. That now takes us to our NHL team profile. We're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks there's not a lot to talk about in terms of quality in terms of quantity uh jamie but there is certainly some quality um there's nobody drafted uh, in the qmjhl or nobody in the qmjhl right now drafted by the canucks they actually haven't drafted anybody from the Q's since 2015 one of those guys is in the uh, ahl system at abertsford and that's uh, defenseman guillaume brisbois along with uh, winger vincent arsenal but before going any further you were actually in that rink not too long ago, were you not? In yes, I, I'm so dedicated to this podcast that I flew all the way to Abbotsford <laughs> on my own dime uh, to do some scouting for the show. So uh, This is why we had to get Pat last minute. Last <laughs> yeah. We had to go to Abbotsford. Yeah, exactly. These are the exactly. sacrifices we make here on Hockey News in the Queue. <laughs> but it's funny we're talking about this because one of the guys who really stood out in the game I saw, uh, which was an excellent game, by the way, uh, Abbotsford and Laval on uh, Saturday night, one of the better games I've seen uh, in a long time. Um, Vincent Arsenal really stood out. Um, he was hitting mm-hmm. everybody. Um, so mm-hmm. he still plays the same way after yep. uh, 10 years <laughs> after he left the queue, which is uh, not that surprising. But, um, you know, he, you could tell that he was visibly visibly larger than a lot of the players on the ice and that he, the role that he plays uh, fits so well into the AHL style. Um, so, you know, and he had that style in the queue, that grinding type forward. Um, that was mm-hmm. so effective. Um, and I was actually curious. I looked up his numbers in the queue. Uh, four of his five seasons, he had over 100 penalty minutes. Mm-hmm. And that seemed like a lot for today's player. And I actually looked it up. Only one player in the queue last season had over 100, pe- 100 penalty minutes. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of seeing a, a decline in those types of players. Yeah, definitely. Um, the physicality isn't quite what it used to be. Um, you know, even things like, um, you know, keep in mind when Vincent Arsenault still played in the queue, um, you know, it's not like fighting was up substantially, but it was up. Um, what makes it impressive though, the hundred plus minutes for four straight years at that time, uh, I think it was probably around 2003 or thereabouts. Um, the queue stopped, uh, counting 10 minute misconducts and game misconducts in the penalty minute totals. So for you to get to to say, you know, even in an era when fighting was still up, uh, for you to get to 200 after that happened, you had to be fighting pretty much every single night. Um, and nowadays, you know, obviously, if, you know, if you make it to 100, that's that that's really standing out. You know, yeah. part of it obviously is the misconduct part of things, but just a number of things that have changed in the landscape of the game. But that was our, that was Vincent Arsenal, you know, watching him for so many years in Bathurst. Uh, with the Titan, you know, he was just a grinding. He's the type of player you hated to play against. You know, we just talked about Brad Marchand at length. Vincent Arsenault is another guy you hate to play against, but for different reasons. He was just going to grind you against the boards until you no longer want to go out there, basically. Yeah. If you're matched up against him, it was just going to be a pain in the neck 
all night long. And he was rewarded. He did win the Memorial Cup in 2012 after being traded to the Schwinning and Cataracts. And he's still hanging on today. He's not even hanging on. He's succeeding. He is, he is uh, you know, in a league that's very young. The AHL is not what it used to be. Uh, he would certainly be classified as a, as a grizzled old veteran at this point. And he's making the most of that opportunity. And he's, you know, teaching this next generation, you know, the guys like Guillaume Brisbois to an extent, and the guys even far younger than, than Brisbois, you know, how to play in the pro ranks. Great to see him uh, get some uh, well-deserved uh, playing time in Abbotsford and to, uh, and to be successful in the process. Um, only one guy in the NHL, but um, yeah, we kind of know this guy a little bit. Uh, Connor Garland. So um, back-to-back Q scoring titles in 2015-2016. Uh, four seasons in the Q, really about three, a little more than three and a half, really, because he came up partway through a 16-year-old season, 16 season from the Boston area. And uh, um, speaking of guys who the opposition fans love to hate, here comes another one. <laughs> Honestly, though, like one of the best players I've ever seen in junior, legitimately, and like it's crazy to even think that someone like of that size is could dominate games like that. It was just, and he always stood out. And I specifically remember why he stood out because his jersey was almost down to like his ankles. <laughs> it stood out so much. Um, but just it's like, like he was just, wearing, a, it was like he was wearing honestly, a nightshirt. <laughs> honestly, though. Uh, but yeah, like crazy. I'm like I'm honestly happy that he was able to carry that over into the NHL because obviously when you have someone of that size who's putting out numbers like that in the queue, um, everyone says he, there's no way he's going to do that, bro. He's just a queue guy. Um, so it's awesome, mm-hmm. awesome to see that he had um, a really good AHL career and then carried that over to the NHL. I know he's had struggling a little bit this season, this season in Vancouver, but um, just about everybody's struggling this season in Vancouver. Yeah, pretty much. No, I, I remember when he came up, it was midway through, his, uh, through like, say, his 16-year-old season. And that was a veteran Wildcats team. They were gunning yep. for a President Cup that uh, that year. And um, he found a spot. Um, he immediately came into the lineup. He was originally committed to Penn State, I believe, for, like, 2014. And he broke that commitment a couple of years early to come to Moncton. Um and you could tell from the beginning that he was going to be a great Q player. But, you know, even, you know, people in, in and around Moncton, I know I was there the first, you know, couple of years he was in the league. It was still a case of, you know, he'll like, what's he going to do? Is he going to go minor pros? He maybe even just going to play university. Like, what's he like? What what's what's in store for this guy? Is, could he actually play at a high level in the pro ranks? Yeah. And sure enough, you know, he made it impossible for uh organ for organizations to not advance him and it happened in phoenix with the coyotes who took a flyer on him in the nhl draft in like the mid to late rounds and you couldn't keep him in the ahl he made his way up from tucson to phoenix and then of course he made his way from phoenix to uh, a, a sweet little uh, free agency deal with the vancouver canucks yep. and you know uh, and he earned everything that he got um you know, if you told me in December of 2012 that Connor Garland was A, going to be in the NHL, and B, be the Moncton Wildcats all-time point-scoring leader, which he still is, I would have highly doubted you. And you know what? I, like like virtually everybody else except for Connor Garland, was wrong about Connor Garland. So sometimes when you bet on yourself, good things happen. 
Our yeah, 2023. Thank you. Our 2023 draft prospect of the week. Uh, we're going to go to Shikudumi for this one. We're going to talk about a guy who's had a sneaky good season uh, for the Sags this year. Emmanuel Vermet, the left winger, uh, second round pick in 2021. And uh, really coming into his own uh, with the Yannick Jean Saignan. Yeah, um, already surpassed his point total from last season. So 16 points. Um, all of last year in 64 games already has 20 points this season um, in just 24 games. So he's putting up great numbers um, this year. Uh, at least the elite prospects has him on pace for 52 points in 63 games. So that's really solid for um, a 17 year old. Um, he's been playing on Shakutami's first line most of the year playing as a winger. Um, and I know kind of projected to be a power forward entering the league. So maybe not that surprising that he kind of had a bit of a slower start offensively. We just typically see that for, those who are projected to kind of be the power forward type. Um, but does have, uh, or was supposed to have uh, a good shot and some very quick hands, and we're starting to finally see that um, turn into points at the Q level. Yeah, definitely. He, he's one of those guys who's kind of maturing uh, on a pretty good trajectory. Um, not overly surprising. Usually the guys who come in as the power forwards, sometimes they do uh, find their way a little bit quicker. Um, and uh, Vermette is no exception. Uh, I, you know, I haven't seen him this year, but I did see him last year uh, down here in Halifax, and you could tell the tools are there. He was just, you know, kind of putting everything together last year, and now that is starting to take shape. The confidence, no doubt, has gone up, and uh, playing for a guy like Yang John, getting plenty of opportunity to, to play on a very young Shakutami team certainly is just the tonic uh, you'd think that Emmanuel Vermette's going to need. He's a C-ranked prospect uh, so far. We'll see how things uh, pan out for him in uh, future iterations of the CSR player to watch list. Let's quickly talk about the player of the week. And you can't talk about the player of the week without talking about the hottest team in the QMJHL. And that's the Victoriaville Tig and their goaltender, Nathan Darvo, who went 2-0 on the week last week as uh, Victoriaville came through the Maritimes for a rare four-game Maritime trip. They had a makeup game in Cape Breton that was canceled due to Hurricane Fiona back in the fall. They went 4-0, Jamie. They are points in nine straight games. They are the seventh-ranked team in the country, and Nathan Darvo is just one of the reasons why that team has been on fire. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not luck anymore. This team is extremely good to be where they are at. And if you're in the CHL top ten in December, you're a very good team. Um, and they're continue to show that they're a very good team. So um, it's hard hard to hard to even describe the season they're having. Like this is just so surprising to see where they're at. Um, and part of the reason they've been so good has been their goaltending. I think without question, the best goaltending combo in the league this season. And going into the year, if we had to pick one goalie that was going to be the talking point in, for Victoriaville, is going to be Gabriel Dagg, um, the 16-year-old. But really, it's been uh, Nathan Darbo's that has really stood out. Um, crazy numbers, 1.93 GAA and 9.42 save percentage. That is crazy. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Uh, the Teague are consistently the... Toughest team in the league to score goals on uh, night in and night out. They're right up with the top teams, obviously, in the first place in the Western Conference now. Once again, uh, any other teams or, or surprises that you want to talk about? Are there other Hall of Fame candidates that you would uh, like to throw the, the names in the ring for? And again, as far as the World Junior team goes, anybody from the queue that maybe uh, an outsider in the eyes of many, but you think are going to make it, drop us a line. We'll get you on the mailbag. 
our Twitter addresses are on the screen below. Jamie, that about wraps it up for us for this week. Just quickly, um, anything particular that uh, stands out for you in the week ahead in the queue? Uh, what uh, what maybe strikes your eye? A couple of Moosehead home games I'm keeping an eye on. Josh Lawrence uh, makes his home debut on Thursday against his former team, which is uh, an interesting uh, setup. Um, and then Gatineau visits Halifax on uh, on Saturday. That's a uh, a lot of star power, even though there will be a couple guys missing because of the World Junior Camps, but still uh, some big names. Excellent. And um, if uh, and I will actually be there uh, on both for both those games, so it'll be very interesting to see uh, how the Lawrence uh, Lawrence versus his briefly former team uh, pans out. And of course, now Gatineau is always a, a good show when they make their way in. So. That will wrap it up for us uh, for yet another week. Again, if you have anything to send to us, it's at Will McRider or at Station underscore Nation. Send it to us both. We'll both get it. We'll both talk about it. Until next week, for Jamie Tozer, I'm Will McLaren. Thank you for watching the Hockey News on the Cube, brought to you by BetMGM. We'll see you next time.